We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Conference tournaments picking up uh, these next few days, especially like, there, there are games that tipped off at like 9.30 a.m. Central time this morning. It was fantastic. Uh, already watched the, the Syracuse Duke game. Currently watching Iowa blow the doors off of Northwestern. But if you're doing any wagering on basketball, make sure you're doing that at winbet.com. Alex Barutha here with me again. Uh, we have a, a few news items to hit. We're going to hit on a couple of bigger picture topics, uh, kind of zero in on where we actually see the MVP race right now, which seems like it's changing night to night between Embiid and Jokic and potentially still Giannis Antetokounmpo. But uh, first and foremost, uh, well, wait a second. We have a, we have an MLB season, I believe. Yeah. I just uh, saw this, that. Yeah. Thank you to, to Peter Shanky for throwing that in Rotowire Slack. We are officially back. This does not affect you or I at all, uh, but <laughs> great, great for the industry. Great for Rotowire at large. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good for everybody involved. We have so many like great baseball guys doing so much work that I don't. Yeah. Uh, I don't. <laughs> it, it would suck to not have them working, obviously, and um, you know, not be able to watch baseball. Yeah, you know, I mean, love, love baseball, love, love sitting down and just watching full baseball games every single night. <laughs> that, that is definitely something I'm doing. Uh, so I, I, we have exactly a month left in the NBA regular season at this point. So depending on the format that you're playing in kind of exactly a month left in the fantasy season, you know, a lot of leagues will throw out that final week. Um, but, but really, I mean, the, you'd basically do that to avoid situations where star players are resting or teams are in like mega tank mode. Although we're already seeing that from a few teams looking at you, Portland, which is things have gotten rough on that respect, but how, how is your overall fantasy season gone? You know, not, not that everything is settled at this point, but um you know, we don't, we don't need to go like team by team and do an in-depth check-in on the standings, but overall, has, has it been a fairly successful year for you? Uh, yeah, it has been. I have like three main leagues that I care about, um, which are all like basically Rotowire staff leagues, the stake league, the keeper league, and the 20 the teamer uh, right. that we do with like a lot of people who are basically like tons of people in the company who aren't even necessarily basketball people. I'm top three in all those. So I'm having a great Ooh. year. Uh, I know. Um, Kind of, those are all salary cap leagues for people that are listening. So formerly known as auction drafts. Um, you know, I just kind of continued my strategy of not targeting any stars and just trying to build a super balanced roster of like high level starters. And it, it's worked out. And I was more aggressive with like fab than usual. Um, I think just so many people end up with fab money at the end of the year that it probably just like, I, I just started overpaying for people. I was like, mm-hmm. this guy's probably an $8 ad. Eh, let's do $16 and just like 
try to snatch guys because everybody is usually really conservative with Fab on on uh, lower level guys, even. So it's going well so far. Um, I know you, your team in the stake league uh, is uh, you. You were screwed. I'll uh, I'll I'll go to bat for you and say that you were you were screwed this season. I was. I feel good about my team. That's the thing. There there have certainly been years in this league and others where I've looked back and said like, what am I doing? But I actually feel like I had a good team and I, I just got hit with some, some really tough injuries mid season. Uh, I mean, Paul George just basically missing like two thirds of the year. That was the final nail in the coffin. Um, Bam at a bio, you know, missing a ton of time when virtually every other player was coming back from COVID absences. Um, you know, he missed like six weeks. Uh, Clay Thompson, you know, came back a little later than I thought. He hasn't been that good. CJ McCollum going down with the lung injury. Uh, not, not sure we've ever seen that in the NBA. <laughs> Uh, Drew Holiday missed a bunch of time. Like it was, it was pretty disastrous. Um, but you know, I, I I do feel like if the season was like ten weeks longer, I would slowly claw my way back into eating territory in that one. But I mean, as of now, I'm just battling to not finish dead last. Um, it's it's been it's been pretty disastrous from a games played perspective. But um, I, I am in first place in the keeper league. Uh, the way that one works, I mean, if you if you have a chance to go for it, and and luckily I, I had actually built up a pretty nice cachet of young prospects, you know, that I could, could wheel a deal. Like you're able to stack your team pretty good um, because, you know, a lot of guys just want to build for the future and build for next year. So you can make some, you know, you don't have to be giving up like crazy value to, to land players. Like I, I think I added uh, Zach Levine, Devin Booker, uh, Zubach, uh, possibly even McCollum mid season and didn't have to give up all that much. Like I, I did give up get Desmond Bain, who was a really good asset in that league. Um, but you're able to to really gun it and, and go for it in that one if you want. So I, I feel like I have a pretty good chance to win that one. Maybe that'll offset uh, my losses in the stake league, although I, I think I'll probably end up losing more money on the stake dinner than I will be winning money in the keeper league. My, my NFBKC team doing okay. I also had Paul George in that one. Um, I I was looking at stuff the other night, trying to run numbers. Like I, I don't know that I would be fir- first in my league if Paul George stayed healthy, but I think I would be up there. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously missed a ton of time. Miles Turner was, was one of my other studs on that team. He's missed a ton of time. I had Jared Allen on that team worked out really well, you know, until this past week, I had Siakam as kind of a, an early season stash there, Jalen Brown, SGA, Stephen Curry. Um, so I, I felt like I built a pretty solid team there, but, but ultimately, you know, when the, the, the first player, or I guess it would have been the second player that I drafted after Curry in that league, like when, when he's missing 60 games, it's almost impossible to win a league. Yeah, my NFPKC team, you know, I had Westbrook, so that was bad. Yeah, that's that. Was, yeah, that was that was pretty much that. Um, <laughs> the moment that I'm pick looking, was made. Yeah, I'm looking at these transactions from our keeper league. Almost none. I mean, there were like five or six trades this year total. Uh, but it, you did you trade Tyrese Halliburton? I did trade Tyrese Halliburton. Yes. Well, if you win the league. Yeah, I mean, you got yeah, you're right. You traded Halliburton and Bain for Booker, Levine, Bogdanovich, Capella, and Middleton. Right, that is a, and, and most of those guys, I, I forget which one it is. It's either Levine or Booker. Um, Levine is is not keepable, so I'll have to throw him back. He's a rental. But other than that, all those other guys, like Middleton, is on the first year of his contract. Booker's on the first year of his contract. So I, I didn't feel like I, I would not have done the deal if all those guys were expiring. And I would have just had to throw them back into free agency next year. Um, and, you know, I like Halliburton a lot. And he was definitely the best asset in terms of future production versus cost. But I, I think I traded him to Shannon. Like, he's going to have to, you know, extend him at some point. Uh, so I, I felt like that was a fine deal. And, and at the time, I, I really needed points more than anything to, to pass James. And I needed rebounds. So getting Capella was big. Uh, it, it's worked out so far. So we'll see. I mean, barring, you know, Booker, like, getting COVID out of nowhere kind of killed me in the short term. But um, you know, barring something unforeseen, I feel okay about my chances there. Uh, let's, let's hit on a few fantasy news items quickly, and then we'll, we'll get to the bigger picture stuff. Brandon Ingram out seven to 10 days. Uh, we got that announcement last night. Uh, he is dealing with a hamstring injury. Doesn't seem like it's tanking related. I mean, they're, they're trying to push for a play in spot very clearly. Uh, so this seems like a pretty legitimate injury, but I mean, that's going to knock him out for at least four or five games, maybe as many as six or seven. That's really tough for them. Um, they're gonna have they're playing way too much Tony Snell right now. I think he got 31 minutes the other night. Oh, they yeah. just like don't have 
they don't even have anyone that can do a reasonable facsimile of him, right? Like, it's, I think it's just going to be more like CJ McCollum at the two and Devontae Graham as a starter again, which is a pretty bad combination since Graham is having one of the worst offensive seasons you could imagine, at least shooting the ball. Um, they're just going to be a really bad offensive team because as much as we like, you know, Valanchunas and Herb Jones and Jackson Hayes has been weirdly intriguing as a power forward. Like, that's just not a team that can generate points. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some updates on the longtime injured trio of, of players in Chicago. Uh, Alex Caruso, Patrick Williams, Lonzo Ball all returned to the Bulls this past week. I, I assume they were you know, maybe all over the country or out in L.A. or something doing rehab. Uh, but all those guys back with the Bulls. It, to me, reading between the lines on the reporting, which was a little cluttered, it sounds like Caruso is the closest to returning. He could be back maybe even within a week. He's been fully cleared for contact already. Um, it sounds like Patrick Williams is just behind him. I think he's been cleared for like partial contact. And then Lonzo, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Lonzo until the very end of March, maybe even early April. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely seems like that that will end up being the case. There is a very good chance of that happening. But I mean, this is, you know, you got to hope to get them back if you're Chicago because they need those guys. Like if you if you look at their on-off numbers, it's just like Caruso's the best on the team. Lonzo Ball's positive. Patrick Williams only played 123 minutes, but was positive. Like, even just their in the Bulls, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic lineup was plus 21 net rating. So, like, and the fact that they're still, they've been able to hang on, like they're 40 and 26, uh, you know, same among the wins as Philly, same among the wins as Boston. Um, that they've been able to hang on without these guys is, is impressive. So I still think they're a really intimidating playoff team if all those guys can get 100%. Yeah, I've talked to a few people who seem to think like, oh, well, you know, the, the run is over. Like the Bulls peaked too soon. It was it was fun, but, you know, they've, they've kind of turned back into a pumpkin. It's like, I don't think I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, the the one in 14 record against the top seven teams in the NBA, that's, that is a little damning. Yes, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I would imagine that there's never been a team that uh, has won the title or even advanced <laughs> to the finals with any kind of record like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's probably a ceiling on what they could do, but we've been talking about this all year, like getting at least two of those three guys back. And, and really, I mean, Patrick Williams, we haven't even gotten to see him play with this team at all. I mean, this, this is going to be massive, especially if all three of them or, or most of those three have a decent ramp up period before the playoffs. Like, I, I, I don't, it's not like Chicago is going to be a team that you want to play in round one. No, I mean their main issue is defense, right? Like they have a they have enough offense between Levine and DeRozan and Vucevic, and so they basically just need to surround those guys with defenders, which is Ball Caruso and Patrick Williams, and especially Patrick Williams, who they need as like wing defense, um, or someone who can like switch. I, I don't know if Patrick Williams can switch onto like twos, like bigger twos. Like could he switch onto Devin Booker, maybe? Um, but they they need all those guys for defense because they just get annihilated. Like they've been getting annihilated for a while on that end of the court, so. Um, they need that for balance. In other injury news, Isaiah Stewart out at least a week. Bone um, bruise on the knee. Another injury that seems legit, uh, but you know, obviously Detroit's motivations are a little bit different than most of the leagues right now. This is kind of the best opportunity that Marvin Bagley is going to get. And he started last night, had 10 points, six rebounds, one turnover, four of eight from the field in, in a loss to Chicago I mean, I think most people have been out on Bagley for a while. I, I've not been waiting for like some sort of great resurrection of all of a sudden he's back to the prospect that the Kings thought he was four years ago. But I, I don't know, man. Like there, we, we, we see someone like Jalen Smith who like completely flames out in Phoenix. Even he can go to Indiana and yeah, they're not winning games. It's not like he's turning into Joel Embiid, but even he could throw up like an 18 point, 15 rebound night. Like no matter the opportunity with Bagley, it just, it just doesn't seem like it's there. And the, the only thing that he's providing fantasy wise is, it, it just seems like he's going down like the Jeff Green path. You know, it's like, yeah, you can depend. If, if you want to give him 30 minutes, he will give you 16 points and eight rebounds, but you're getting nothing more than that. I mean, they basically gave up nothing for him. Uh, I don't even really remember what they gave up for him, to be honest. It was part of that multi-team deal. Wasn't he involved in like the Serge Ibaka trade somehow? Uh, Yeah. Oh, it Trey, wasn't Lyles, anything major. Trey Lyles yeah. and Josh Jackson to the, to the Kings. Right. So they gave up nothing and uh they get a chance on him but if you're if that's what you do and you want to see don't you want to see what you have like give the guy 36 minutes and feed him the ball a little bit like i know he's only gonna touch the ball so much because of gay cunningham and like 
I mean, Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bay even gets his touches at this point, but playing him 28 minutes in a star, he had four fouls, but like, who cares? Like, I, I don't know, man. It's, I don't want to say it's over for him. Yeah. But it's not over. Uh, I don't even he's know. Gonna, he's he's like, going to stick around. It's over for him as like a, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take this guy with the last pick in my draft. And maybe this is the year he turns into a borderline all-star. Like, I think he could, I, if he could just be, I mean, the Jeff Green comparison is, is apt in this way too. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to be one of those guys that probably frustrates a bunch of teams, but there's always going to be another team willing to to sign him up to be their ninth man. I guess. I mean, my question is like, would Marvin Bagley be in a rotation for any team that has a chance to make the NBA finals this season? Would he even be a rotation player for anybody? I don't, I don't know. It's like, could he, it depends how deep you're talking in the rotation. Like, you know, I mean, prob- could, Probably not. Right. Like, could he get a consistent 12 minutes for the Miami Heat? No, not for the Heat. Right. For the Bucs? Not not since Ibaka showed up, no. Yeah, Philly? Not really. No, I mean, the the one team that came to mind immediately for some reason was Utah. But that maybe says something about, you know, more about (laughs) what I feel about Utah's depth than it does Marvin Bagley. Yeah, so... I mean, that's not the, you know, it's not the end of his career, but this is also the conversation that I was like, you know, I've, I've, I've done this thought experiment before with like RJ Barrett last year and to his credit, RJ Barrett's playing really well right now. Like, I I don't want to like continue to harp on RJ Barrett as a player, but this was like last year. And I'm like, would RJ Barrett see 20 minutes a game on the Milwaukee Bucks? Probably not. Um, So I think you have to like, kind of put some of these guys like careers into, into context. It kind of it depends what team you're talking though. It's like the Bucks have Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, so they don't necessarily need a guy like that. But I mean, there are other teams that are a little bit weaker at the two or the three, and maybe they would want RJ Barrett. I mean, how dare you, you know, talk about RJ Barrett like this? Because <laughs> he is he's about he's creeping up on averaging 20 points per game, uh, and and many people forget he is still only 21 years old. Yeah, I don't I don't want to turn this into a RJ Barrett hit piece because he has been playing well. Um relative to his standards but uh it also doesn't help that this is occurring when the knicks are 28 38 so we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Malcolm Brogdon, out two games with a concussion. Don't have a lot to say there. Pacers are tanking. More minutes for Lance Stevenson, hopefully. Um, James Wiseman will play in two G League games. uh, One tonight and one Sunday. 
uh, barring any sort of setbacks. Of course, pretty major step for James Wiseman. Um, I, I think the ship has sailed on on James Wiseman being any sort of like fantasy stash at this point. Like he's he's going to play sometime in the next few weeks, but I I highly doubt. You know, unless we're talking like last couple of games of the year and, and the Warriors are sitting guys, um, hard to imagine, you know, James Wiseman playing meaningful minutes for this team in big spots. But nonetheless, I mean, any any time that James Wiseman is on the court, it's going to be you know under a microscope evaluation period. Yeah, I mean, I think they're kind of differing. I think a lot of people are down on Wiseman. You know, I remember listening to the Low Post podcast and someone asked him about Wiseman and he just kind of like poo-pooed it and was like, yeah, you know, why there's no point even bringing his name up. I kind of, maybe I'm higher on Wiseman than most people. Um, It will be, it's not going to be easy for him to get minutes. I mean, we saw this last year, right? It's like uh, Steve Kerr loves Kevon Looney and Draymond Green also plays a ton of center. So that's almost 40 minutes a game at center already accounted for. Um, I, I still have a hard time believing as like relatively underwhelming as Wiseman's season's uh, season was last year as a rookie. I still have a hard time believing that he's not better than Kavon Looney. So, um, yeah. And I, I think there will be a lot of situations where, like, um, you know, like you want him in a playoff series against like some of the better singers of the NBA, right? Like you want to be able to have him as an option because he is a really, he's an, ama- uh, an amazing athlete, big body, long arms, could jump really high. Like you want him as an option against. Nikola Jokic, you want him as an option against like Towns or Embiid. So I, the fact that he is coming back, I think matters a lot. I, I think the Warriors should not be depending on him. You know, I, yeah. I don't think they should be saying like, we need him to play really well for us to win the title. Like that I, I think would be a fool's errand, but it's, it's a nice bonus to have. And I'm certainly not out on him long-term. I, I'm shocked how many people seemingly just acted like he was, in the Marvin Bagley spot after 39 games. And like half of those didn't even seem like he was that healthy beginning of the year. He had no idea what he was doing. Like I, I still think there's a pretty good chance that James Wiseman turns into a very good NBA player. Now, is he going to be Evan Mobley level at, you know, the trajectory that he's on right now? Like, no, that, I I think that would have been more clear even in those 39 games. But I I also, I don't think they drafted a lemon here. Like people are talking like it's, we could just write him off, throw away that pick. It was the wrong pick. Um, yeah, should they have taken Lamelo or, or uh, you know, I'm trying to think of who went after Lamelo Ball. Um, let me pull up that draft real quickly. I'm blanking, honestly, but I your, your Williams, point. Okoro, Okongwu. Yeah, not like a tongue out of their options. I uh, your point stands though. Like he's he's about, just about to turn 21. I I've harped on this. Like he played three games in college. Um, had to deal with like all the COVID stuff coming into last year, yep. and. Uh, you know, like, I, I don't know what his high school situation was, but you know, the 30, the 39 games that Wiseman played last year was like the old, like some of the, like the competitiveness of that basketball and the level of that basketball is so much higher than anything he experienced within yeah. his entire life that I think, I, I do think the expectations were a little too high and he was coming into a, a very system oriented team, a team that likes the small ball yeah. stuff. Well, a team that expected to win too. It's like he was not—he was not allowed to play through mistakes whatsoever. I mean, they—they they basically kicked him out of the rotation before he got hurt. Yeah, so he's in like he's a buy low for me in theory. Like yep. we're talking dynasty or cards or anything like that. I—I exactly. I still like his potential. The Oklahoma City Thunder. This is our final injury note. Uh, have ruled both, well, all three of Lou Dort, Ty Jerome, and Mike Muscala out for the season, which. Honestly, saves us a ton of work on our end. So thank you to the Oklahoma City Thunder for doing that. Uh, I, I assume it will, there'll probably be more players added to that list. At the Thunder right now, I mean, the Thunder starting Lindy Waters the other night. I, mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself as I was you know, looking at that lineup, I'm like, is this, is this the most obscure player I could think of that has ever started an NBA game? And he is in the conversation. I uh, have no idea who Lindy Waters is. I don't know where he came from. Oklahoma State. Uh, I, had to, I had to look it up. I, I did not even really remember him playing there. I don't see his college stats on basketball reference. Wait. I don't know if those are redacted or what. Oh, no, no, no. They're just not on his, his college page for or his NBA page for some reason like a lot okay. of other players are. They are his college page. 
Yeah, averaged 11 points a game as a senior at at Oklahoma State on a 38% shooting. Yeah. So um, it's not something they liked. Although I guess, well, that might, okay, it must be the Oklahoma connection, right? Like there's no. Maybe. It's got to be, man. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. 11 points a game on 38% shooting as a senior and for Oklahoma, so Oklahoma State, and now he's playing for the OKC Thunder. I mean, I yeah, I, I get it, but I, I feel like teams like this isn't you know like the nineteen seventies where you're just like <laughs> you know there's like a regional draft and you just get whoever's in your area. Like I feel like teams are not really handing out contracts to hometown heroes. But I mean, the Thunder are, are kind of in their own separate domain with that right now. Yeah, I uh, I don't know, man. I whatever brings people to the stadium, I guess at a yeah. certain point, right? Like if you like if you give this guy 15, 10 minutes a game and it brings like a thousand more people to the game that would normally go, then it's, it's probably probably pays for itself. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk net sixers tonight. All right, gather round, gather round. It is time for our monkey knife fight picks for tonight's very small two-game slate, uh, but both games, we got Denver and Golden State, Philly and Brooklyn. Both games are bangers, especially going to be keeping a close eye on that early one, of course. Uh, just a reminder, before we get into the picks, if you go to monkeynightfight.com and sign up today, you can claim a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You can win 20x, 100x, even 500x your buy-in amount on any given night on Monkey Night Fight. And if you use our promo code, RWNBA, you'll be looking at a free $10 NBA ticket. You can use that to enter a contest tonight. Plenty of contests to choose from. You can essentially build your own, involve whichever players whichever numbers you want. Always a lot of fun playing on Monkey Knife Fight. Ton of options in terms of contest tonight, but we're going to go with a two-by-two, two, focusing on two of the biggest names in that early game. Kyrie Irving, more or less 25 and a half points tonight. He, of course, is coming off of a 50-point, nine three-pointer performance earlier this week against Charlotte. I think this is a really good line for Kyrie. It's actually a little bit higher than you'll see at some books when you're looking at his point prop. I'm going to go over you know, Kyrie doesn't really have all that much skin in this game. This is more of a Sixers versus Ben Simmons, uh, Nets versus James Harden situation. He's, he's kind of on the outskirts of this. Uh, I, I don't really worry about, you know, his emotional state uh, in a game that's going to have some high emotions in it. Um, if, if you look at the recent breakdowns between Kyrie and KD, they have kind of traded off big games of late. KD went off uh, against the Celtics on Sunday. Kyrie was relatively quiet in that one. Of course, Kyrie went off against Charlotte, KD was quiet in that one, but the Nets are kind of a two-man team at this point. They did bring in Drummond. They did bring in Curry as part of the Ben Simmons trade, but they need both Kyrie and Kevin Durant to go off in games like this when you're going up against a very good team like the 76ers. We know both these guys very capable of giving you 30-plus and doing so in the same game on any given night. So I'm going to go over on 25 and a half points for Kyrie Irving, which brings us to the second leg of our picks, and we have the same number uh, but we're talking James Harden this time. So James Harden, more or less 25 and a half points. He went well under this total in his last game against Chicago on Monday as the Sixers completed their season sweep of the Chicago Bulls. He finished that one with 16 points, but did have 14 assists. That's kind of the player that he's happy to be. I, I know he scored 25 or more points in his first four games with the Sixers, but Harden is more than happy to be a guy who's giving you somewhere between 16 and 20 points, but also racking up a bunch of rebounds, a bunch of assists. Uh, so my first inclination when seeing this number uh, based on what we've seen from Harden so far was to go more, but I, I'm not sure. You know, the Nets are a bottom five defense in the last 10 games. Uh, Harden's certainly capable of getting to 26 points if he wants, but I think this is going to be a Joel Embiid night. I, I think this game means more to Embiid. It means more to guys like Tobias Harris, to, to Tyrese Maxey, who've been on this team, um, who are kind of feeding into uh, everything that this night represents for the 76ers. So I, I think it's a game where Harden is, is happy to kind of work his way onto the fringes, you know, he'll, he'll get his points, but I don't think he's going to get to 26. I think it's more of a big assist night for James Harden. So I will go less on 25 and a half points for Harden, more on 25 and a half points for Kyrie Irving. There we go. Go two for two on those picks and you're looking at 3.6 times your buy-in amount. So you buy in 10 bucks, you're looking at $36. You buy in a hundred bucks, you're cashing out with $360 if you go two for two on those picks and make sure you're using our code RWNBA to grab that $10 NBA contest credit.
WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more. All that is at your fingertips with the WinBet app. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or even try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states. Those nine states are Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia, and it's rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. Thrive Fantasy is back for another season of fantasy basketball, and they're running guaranteed contests every single day this NBA season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier players who have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim that free RotoWire subscription. Step one, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E, thrive. Step two, deposit a minimum of $10, and you'll receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Step three, play in your first paid contest, and you will then receive that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Infinite value with that subscription. You'll get full access to everything on rotowire.com, all sports, all of our optimizers, everything you need to become the best fantasy player and sports better that you can be. Check out thrivefantasy.com to learn more. Thrive Fantasy, an official partner of Rotowire. All right, we only have two games on the slate tonight. Very weird schedule this week, uh, you know, partially influenced by conference tournaments. I think the NBA is kind of trying to stay out of the way. Uh, but we do get one of the most anticipated games of the entire season. And I, I would say, in retrospect, probably the most anticipated game. And we, we had some pretty big, uh, like, Suns Warriors when they first matched up, when both teams were red hot early on. That was big. But I, I think this is considerably bigger. Uh, the Nets going on the road to the Sixers. Uh, there was video this morning that Ben Simmons has, in fact, traveled with the Nets to Philly. All indications are that he will be, uh, you know, probably in, like, the Nike Tech Fit full suit on the bench. <laughs> I, how does this go for you? Like, I, I'm way more interested in like the crowd reaction and like the dynamics of the game than I am like the final score. I don't really think it matters all that much what happens on the court. But how do you envision this going for Simmons, for you know the Nets at large? Like, what what is this environment truly going to be like? I think uh, it really is a shame that he's not playing. Um... They might have to put up like that uh, European style, like hockey plexiglass behind the the Nets bench, just so people don't like throw uh, Philly cheesesteaks at them or something. Um, I think I think the environment will be, I don't know, because it's it'll be hostile for sure. I also think I, I don't know how you feel now as a as a Seventy Sixers fan. Like I think obviously you want. Like you want to have the fun of just like screaming at Ben Simmons. On the other hand, uh, you got James Harden out of it. So like, how how mad even are you at this point? Like, um, you know, I watched a there was a video. You mentioned uh, it being confirmed that he's there. Uh, I saw a video of some fans screaming at him as he was walking to the team bus with mostly things I can't repeat on this podcast. But the, one of the guys was just like, "Thanks for James Harden." which is kind of like, which is how you have to feel at this point. Like Ben Simmons, like boycotting the season, basically got the 76ers James Harden and could vault them to an NBA title very, very easily. So not very easily, but you get what I mean. So I, I don't know what the, I don't know what you feel. I don't know what the reaction is of him just like sitting on the bench with a coffee or whatever. I saw something brought up uh, earlier this week and it's actually a very, very interesting question. And I think there's kind of an obvious like, answer right away but then the more you think about it i yeah i don't know what's gonna happen do the sixers do a tribute video for ben simmons <laughs> because most players of that caliber absolutely get tribute videos i mean there there are like very middling players who've spent a couple years in one city and they get a tribute video like everything about how ben simmons played in philly would say he 100 gets a tribute video but i mean they can't do that right like that would just it would be drowned out in booze 
Maybe they can do something like semi-ironic, just like Times New Roman font on the on the Megatron that just says like "Thanks, comma Ben," um, and that's it. Ben ten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ben ten. Yeah, kind of like the from the office, like the "It is your birthday." Uh, <laughs> you are back. Right. You. Are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, I might that. have to. I might have to turn that into a Photoshop. That's a great idea. Go for it. Yeah. Um. I. I think it's going to be hostile. I mean, I always go back to like LeBron said, fans threw batteries at him. I don't know yeah. what, like, do they bring right. a pack of batteries with them? Do they have like some sort of battery operated device that they remove these from? I don't know. Things were different in 2011. Um, but I, I mean, given the crowd that we're dealing with, it is Philly. You know, this, this isn't, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a notoriously bad, this isn't Minnesota or, you know, 2007 Milwaukee. Like there's, there's legitimate vitriol going on here. I would not be shocked if we get, I don't, some sort of uh, some sort of malarkey, whether it's items being thrown or a fan running on the court, like some, something weird feels like it's going to happen. I agree. Yeah, that or I'm sure there'll be plenty of signs uh, that will probably be confiscated at some point or not showing on television. But uh, yeah, it'll be it's it's about as it's about as much must watch as you can get uh, without Ben Simmons actually being on the court. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really fun. I uh, I, I have an appointment to go hit golf balls later tonight, so I, I strategically planned it uh, around just I just want to see the beginning of the game. Like I'll they have TVs at the place, I'll be able to keep an eye on it. But I really want to be clued in on like the 15 minutes before the game starts and like the first few minutes of the actual game, uh, because we're not like he's not gonna be on the court, so we're not gonna get the classic you know, rain of booze every time he touches the ball. But yes, I, I feel like Sixers fans are going to find a way to, to like, you can't, you can't target a boo at someone on the bench, but they're going to try to find a way to do that. Do you think they'll just uh, cut like on the jumbotron, like the camera operators will just cut to him periodically when he's just <laughs> sitting on the bench like that. Right. Like, I think you, well, is that too much mental abuse? Is that like, well, that's the on? thing. It's like, where do you, like, if you're, if you're the Sixers game ops, like, are you in on this or are you taking the high road? Like that's the question that they have to answer because if they're in on it, then you're hundred percent right. Yeah. You know, then you, you pan to him and like anytime you need to get the crowd going, just show him on the jumbotron and that's going to do the trick. But I, my guess is that they'll, they'll try to be the bigger person and, and not really do that. Yeah. There's definitely a fine line. Are you, cause you can't, you can't ignore it completely. Like, I feel like that's like, that's, that's too wrong. It's like too corporate for the NBA, which is like, it's supposed to be fun. Right. Right. Um, I hope they do something. I'm sure they'll figure it out. They've had a they've had a while to think of something because they knew they at least knew there was a possibility that he yeah. would be playing or that he would show up. So I'm sure they got something up their sleeve. They'll show him on the jumbotron at least once. I just I don't think they'll go I don't think they'll go out of their way to potentially induce you know what what could be framed as a dangerous situation. You know, trying to incite the crowd. Yeah, yeah. How close to you is the MVP race right now? Just, just, I'm just going to leave it at that. You can take that in any direction you want. Right now, it's, it's Embiid at minus 130, Jokic at plus 170, Giannis uh, notably behind at plus 750. Uh, I mean, for me, it's Jokic, and I wouldn't think about it too hard. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, like, racking my brain, like, oh, am I going to go Embiid or Jokic? Um, but I think in general, it probably is close. Um, and I really do think it is Embiid versus Jokic. I don't think like Giannis is going to steal any votes from every uh, from anybody. But my my argument for Jokic kind of I think at the end of the day it comes down to the help that Jokic has around him being so much worse than the than the help Embiid has around him and the fact that they have the same number of wins right now. Technically Denver has a worse record because they have two more losses, but Denver's 40 and 26, Philly's 40 and 24. Embiid has had Tyrus Maxey and um, Tobias Harris has been there and now he has Harden. And I think that team is generally more competent than the one Jokic has around. But I think what makes it close is how people view defense versus passing as kind of a positive, Uh, you know, like is Jokic's passing more valuable than Embiid's defense um, you know, all the advanced stats pretty much point to Jokic. I think that's part of it. And then voter fatigue to an extent. But for me, it's Jokic. For me, it's Jokic as well. I, I think there's been this false narrative, I guess, that the Sixers are just the way better team. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, Jokic is playing really well and doing everything he can. But, man, they're, they're the sixth seed in the West. Like, they have the same number of wins. 
the Sixers are 40 and 24. Denver is 40 and 26. I mean, they're, they're as equal as you can get. And I mean, Philly is the vastly better roster around Embiid. So I, I think even, even if Philly finishes three or four games better than Denver, um, I, I don't think that argument really holds any water whatsoever. And I don't know. I mean, is, is this the closest MVP race you can think of with basically 15 games left in the year? Um, I'm, I'm really bad at remembering some of this stuff. I mean, I, I think the one, the one year Giannis won, which was, uh, well, there, the LeBron was making a push towards the end of, was that last two years ago? Giannis won it back to back in, I think what, 19 and 20. LeBron started making that push one year and the media was just about to start yeah. like riding it very hard. And I was like, come on guys. Like, it's well, LeBron not... was making the push and then the season got postponed. Yes. Okay. So that was two years ago. Right. Um, yeah. I mean that, that felt like it was going to come down to the wire, but I was still, uh, I was still with Giannis the whole time. It feels a lot like this where it's like, there's so there's like kind of this narrative building and it feels like they want to give it to, like, it feels like people want to give this to Embiid. Yes. But, um, you know, I, I still think MVP is important enough to where I don't I don't really think too many there will obviously be some media members who just want to avoid criticism in any way possible. And we've seen that before in voting, but I, I think a lot of guys view this as like I if there's one award that I have to kind of put my foot down and really be like, no, this is the best player, this player is having the best season. I think it is MVP, so I still think Jokic has a really good chance despite some, I guess, competing narratives. Would you, like, let's say, I think right now, if the vote took place, Embiid would win it. It would be close, but Embiid would win it. And he was a bigger favorite coming into this week, and, and Jokic has just gone nuclear, you know, yet again, carrying Denver uh, during this really di- difficult part of the schedule where they're playing four games in five nights, the fourth of which is tonight against Golden State. I mean, like, would you, if, if Embiid wins it, would you be like, I can't believe this, this is an atrocity, or would it still be okay? Um, I, I'd probably just be like, like, damn, like, Jokic kind of got robbed. I wouldn't be, like, furious, but it would, it just wouldn't feel right to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard, it, again, it is hard for me to say, like, if, if, I mean, we have plenty of guys playing at MVP level. That's not really, like, the Embiid's playing at MVP level, Jokic, Giannis, Morant, um, you know, and I just, I, I think he would win. I'd be a little disappointed, but I wouldn't be like furious. It, to me, it just comes back to this. Like you said, the narrative is a hundred percent in favor of Embiid, but it's hard to point to like why that is like what, why, why the exactly the upswing, like just the <laughs> fact that like the Sixers are more fun with James Harden, I, like nothing has really changed. I, I think it's just the East coast media elite uh, pushing the narrative. But I, I don't, I don't know, man. They, I mean, I, I think there are more people. There are people who'd say like Embiid's the more fun player. I'm going to disagree, but I understand he's more dunks and blocks, and Jokic is a lot more like floaters and passes. But that shouldn't matter at all. But I, it's this is a good debate to have. I mean, the fact that that we're that we have to debate that these guys that one of these guys isn't the MVP yeah. is crazy. And I think I, again, and even Giannis in that conversation just speaks to like how absolutely stacked for talent the league is right now and like how many great players especially big men that we have the last thing i'll I'll ask on this do you feel like voter fatigue is a factor with Jokic at all because i i really don't i I feel like there's just this upswell that people feel like it's been Embiid season i haven't really said i haven't heard anyone say like ah well Jokic was better last year um i i don't know I, I just think, so I think Jokic has his, his like ride or dies, right? Like I'm kind of a ride or die for Jokic, but I would, I, I don't, I feel like I wouldn't be afraid to admit if I really felt like Embiid was the MVP, um, you know, just like I didn't necessarily think Giannis should have won the one defensive player of the year that year. Um, but I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is a factor. I just think the season is so different because he, he doesn't have there's no Michael Porter Jr. There's no Jamal Murray. It's just, it's, I think the context is, is just a lot different still. And the last point on this too, is where does Giannis come in? Because if, if you look at a lot of the advanced numbers, Giannis is either better than both these guys or right there. And there's really no gap. I mean, that almost feels like that's where the voter fatigue maybe comes in because he's already won it twice. 
Um, yeah, I think so. What Giannis is, if we're doing the kind of traditional advanced stats, he's second in VORP, second in box plus minus, second in win shares per 48. All second, second to Jokic. Win shares. Yeah, all second to Jokic, by the way. That's that's important to bring up. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, we're talking about this narrative that like Philly is, uh, you know, it, it feels like Philly, it, people are talking about them like they're clearly better than the than the Nuggets or the Bucks. The Bucs are above Philadelphia in the standings. Everyone's like, the Bucs suck. The Bucs not going to do it. You know, like, what's what's wrong with Milwaukee? They're better than Philadelphia right now. So I agree with you. Like, Giannis deserves to be in this conversation, obviously. Um, but I just feel like, you know, three MVPs is a lot. That's like you, that's when you cross into like truly historic territory. And that would be at age, I think he's 26 still. So obviously there's more room for him to win another one. And I think there are some people who might be hesitant to just be like, yeah, let's give Giannis the third MVP at 26 years old. Um, You know, whether that's fair reasoning or not. Yeah, I I think that's a good point. But I would argue that he played, I think he played so well in the finals that I I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with like your argument basically is saying like there are some people that might want to say, Hey, let's pump the brakes. You know, let's not anoint this guy before he, you know, we don't want to put him in that rarefied air when he only has one title, but I, I don't know, man. Like I, if, if he's earned it, he's earned it. You know, I, I think if there's somebody who's using that rationale in their voting, I, I don't love that. But I also understand like I, Giannis is not going to win it. I mean, barring like a crazy 15 game stretch from him to end the year, which is not out of the question. He's been playing out of his mind of late. Um, people just like new things, right? And and it doesn't feel like the Bucks have had, even though they are better than Philly, they're a game and a half up on the Sixers right now. It does seem like there were certain expectations for the Bucks, especially coming off of a title. And and as a team on the whole, I I, I guess they haven't quite met those. Um, but it, to be fair, it, it does seem like they're you know that's being held against Giannis to a degree that it's not being held against Embiid. Yes, I mean we. I don't even necessarily want to get into this. So I'll say it then just move on. But Kendrick Perkins had that. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Kendrick Perkins was talking about like, who's the next, who's the face of the NBA. Is it going to be Luca? Is it going to be Trey young or John Morant? And I'm like, what? Giannis. Giannis has two MVPs, a defensive player of the year and dropped a 50 piece at home game six to win an NBA title. How is he not the face of the NBA? Anyway, so I'm moving on off of that. The only uh, players that have three MVPs, at least three MVPs in NBA history, are Moses Malone, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, LeBron James, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who has six. Um, And the only players who have two are Giannis, Curry, Duncan, Malone, Nash, and Bob Pettit. So I think people will look at that and kind of say... Where does Giannis belong in the basically magic bird LeBron tier slash Moses Malone, or does he belong more in like the Curry Duncan Malone Nash tier? And I think to some extent he is between those, but I I don't think a lot of people want to like, just start. Uh, I don't think a lot of people want to go there with him yet because then you have to have, start having conversations like is Giannis better than Larry bird. And I don't think people want to do that. Yeah. That, that We're probably still a half decade away from, you know, America at large being ready to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Good, good discussion on, uh, on MVP. It's going to be interesting. I, I, I will say, I always feel like just because of how closely we follow the league, I always feel like I have a really good handle on who's going to win it by now. I don't think there's ever been an announcement, at least that I can remember that shocked me when it came to MVP. Like it was, and that's really the case with every NBA award. Like you usually at this point in the season, they're all locked up. Um, but this, I mean, this one, it, whenever they do the announcement, which I don't even know when it is now, if, if they're trying to do that crazy, like award show thing, uh, way after the season again, but whenever that announcement comes, like, I, I think there's a pretty good chance that it'll be like watching the Oscars and we won't like, unless it leaks, we're just not going to know until the announcement. Yeah. Do you, uh, that's a extend this conversation for another like 10 minutes, but do you think the Harden trade will affect Embiid's MVP case? Certainly doesn't seem like it has, right? Uh, not so far. I don't think so. No, I think I mean, the I trade-off, do... the potential trade-off in Embiid's numbers going down, would be offset by them being better and winning more games. And so far, his numbers haven't really reduced at all. 
Right. I mean, I think they're just so him and Harden are just such a deadly combo that um, even if his like counting stats go down, his efficiency would go up. He's actually been really inefficient since Harden's joined the team. He's only forty shooting forty seven percent from the field, but it's for twenty nine points. So, um, yeah, it, it may affect his MVP case because at that point it's like, well, okay, yeah, maybe sure you have five, six more wins than the Nuggets, but like you also had Harden on your team for twenty games. Um, and like if Jokic had heart, you know, um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but it'll be interesting to see how that factors in later in the year. Coach of the year. I, I continue to harp on this and this will, maybe this will be the last time we, we talk about it. Monty Williams is still minus 350. I don't understand this at all. I do not get it. Phoenix is, you know, they're, they're going to finish with the best record in the league. So, I mean, that is a feather in his cap. They're, they're going to get to 60 wins, which is all, that's all well and good, but I don't know, man. Like this, that's not the spirit of what this award has been. Like this is the one where like normally you could, at this point in the year, you could follow the odds and that's going to kind of point you in the direction of who's going to win. And the odds strongly suggest it's going to be Monty Williams, but like, there's still, there's still something in the back of my mind that says like, I I really feel like Taylor Jenkins has a chance here. To me, coach of the year should almost always be who's doing the most with the least. Um, Yeah. And that's why I was kind of, I was riding for Thibodeau last year. Felt like what he did with New York was crazy. And again, I think you have to keep for, at least for me, I'm keeping that same thought process with Memphis and Taylor Jenkins. Like obviously Morant's incredible. He's an MVP candidate, most improved player candidate, if not like almost locked in at this point, but the rest of the roster is like, it's like very good NBA players, but nowhere near the talent not even close to Phoenix um, or like Miami or teams like that. So I, I don't know. I I'm with you. I, I think it should be Taylor Jenkins. I just think what, what he's been able to do even, even last year as well. Like it, I think you should win it. Yeah. It just goes against what this award has been really forever. Um, which, which is like you said, the, the guy who's done the most with the least. And you know, I think Monty Williams has in some ways done the most with the most, which is <laughs> right. great. It's not like right. he's been a bad coach, but uh, th- this just feels like such a makeup for, for last year. So I, I had to get that off my chest one last time. Uh, similar situation when you look at the defensive player of the year odds, they now favor Rudy Gobert. I mean, it, it's, not a, it's not a runaway situation by any means. Um, but it, it, this, to me, doesn't really feel like it's been a, a typical Rudy Gobert defensive player of the year season, which we've seen several times now. I, I think it was going to be Draymond for sure before he got hurt, but he's missed way too much time. He's out of it. To me, it kind of seems like Giannis should be that next guy, but I, I know the Bucks defense has waned a little bit as well. Is this just a matter of there's nobody else, so I guess we're just going to hand it to Gobert again? The Draymond injury kind of killed his, I think, killed his chances. Um, I mean, best defense in the NBA is Phoenix, but I don't really think people are going to like be saying like Mikael Bridges should win Defensive Player of the Year. Then it goes Boston. No one's gonna like vote for Smart or Tatum or Robert Williams, um, you know. Like, and we touched on Golden State. <laughs> Cleveland is fourth. Should we just give it to Mobley? Um, sure. Yeah, I, I think I think Gobert is gonna win it. Ironically, I think Ben Simmons had a really good chance this season um, to kind of steal that award, uh, but he did not play, so he's not gonna win it. Yeah, he, I'm going to say Ben Simmons will not win it. I think we can mm-hmm. we could probably cross him off. But yeah, this would this would have been a year for, I think, a guard to sneak in there. And I know Marcus Smart was making the case uh, for himself on Twitter <laughs> the other night. I, I don't think he's going to be winning it either. But um, yeah, it, it does seem like this one has been wide open, and it's just gonna it's just gonna go to Gobert by default. Which I, I guess if no one else takes it from him, that's that's going to end up being fine. I have a couple more items I want to get to, and then we'll get out of here. What is your confidence level right now from zero to 100? How confident are you that the Suns make it out of the West and make it to the finals for a second straight year? Uh, I'm at like 65, 65. Okay. I think that's pretty good. The Chris Paul factor matters. I, I'm, I'm in my head when I'm just assuming he's healthy. I'm assuming things are fine. I'm assuming he's healthy. I would say 65. I just, Golden State, again, all assuming Draymond's healthy. They're obviously a really good 
uh, team, and I think has a really good chance to make the NBA Finals. And Memphis is kind of sneaky. Like I don't even know how to think about Memphis, honestly. Like I, I'm just so I, I don't, I, I have no idea what their potential is. But they, Phoenix has just been so steady, basically for the past two years that um, it's hard for me not to say that they have a better than 50% chance of making the NBA Finals. I think 65 is pretty much right on. I think that's a very responsible estimate. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you went a little higher just because it's it's so hard to choose. Like, this is the specific team that I think could trip them up in the West. You know, it's like collectively, yeah, maybe one of Memphis, Golden State, Utah, Dallas, Denver, you know, one of those teams is going to give them a run at some point, but it, it, like as we as we move on, you know, like even last night they they get Devin Booker back, who was essentially in isolation for a week. He missed four games, no Chris Paul, of course, and they go in and the game's over by the end of the third quarter in Miami. Like this team is this team is really good, and I don't know maybe this maybe this is hurting my Monty Williams uh, shouldn't be coach <laughs> of the year argument, but I don't know, man. You you could have bumped it up to like seventy five or eighty out of a hundred, and I don't think I would have pushed back. No, no, that's that's fine. I just. uh yeah, I, I don't like to, I, I don't know. It's just, for some reason, I, I have like a, I, I just don't have that amount of confidence in them. Like, I, I still think there are some teams lurking that are just like too interesting. Like Denver might get Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray back. Um, I don't know, man. Utah still has, I, as much as people are down on Utah, I just like, you can't, you can't count them out like completely, I don't think, but. You know, what Luca's doing in Dallas is now crazy, but I don't, you know, I don't really expect the Mavs to make the finals, obviously. But um, I, again, yeah, I'm still over 50%. I think they'll most likely make the finals, the Suns. Yeah, I think the Warriors are that team that, you know, once Draymond's back, they're they're still very much lurking. And I think there's a lot of people that that are still on that train. Like if they're healthy, they could, they could maybe even be favored over Phoenix. But in terms of on-court results, I mean, the Suns deserve significantly more respect, I think, than any other team in the West. Did the Lakers reach a new low last night, <laughs> L- losing to the Christian Woodless Houston Rockets? Oh man. Um. Yes, I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. LeBron with a bad game. Uh, really bad game. One of arguably his worst game of the year. Yeah, Westbrook played well. Okay, I've said I I said last uh, time we did this pod that we need to we need to at least say when Westbrook plays well. Now it wasn't a loss. Um, Westbrook had a good game, but yeah, man. I mean, Sangoon plays 40 minutes and just looks good. Uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. Just, uh, I mean, Jalen Green's popping off. Like I, you know, again, it's just like the, the, these are teams that are, I think in not going different directions necessarily. Cause they're both kind of going the same direction, which is down, but, uh, you know, this is just an example of like one team's chemistry and their the general vibe of these teams are in very different places. And I think sometimes that just sometimes I think that matters. Yeah, I have nothing else to say. I mean, I, I was <laughs> talk, I was I was being taunted by James uh, both last night and this morning on Slack about this, and I don't even I, I told him I don't even think this is a new low. I, I think like they've, they've hit such a rock bottom already that this is just like bouncing off of the bottom um, that there, there've been, I almost expect a loss like this at this point. Um, but I think they've, they've kind of reached the point where they, they really cannot get any lower. And I, I still think that we're going to get a, a, some sort of LeBron injury at some point. Um, maybe he just kind of, kind of calls it quits and pieces out uh, for the rest of the year. But I mean, clock is kind of ticking on that one. I want to talk about the Cavs real quickly who have now lost six out of nine. Jared Allen potentially done for the regular season. Karis LeVert still game to game. Uh, we don't know how much time he's going to miss. We, we talked on the last pod about you know, those potential first round matchups in the East and what a gauntlet that's going to be. And, you know, the potential for, for some teams to kind of jockey around and, and that last week of the season, maybe try to pick your opponent. We're probably going to have the Brooklyn Nets sitting in eighth. They, they could get up to seventh and pass Toronto. That's possible. Um, so we might have a situation where teams don't want to be the one or the two necessarily. But to me, I, I think the Cavaliers, this version of the Cavaliers, that's probably the team that if you're Boston or Chicago or Philly or Milwaukee or Miami, I, I think maybe you, you put in a little bit of effort and you're you're not too disappointed if that's your first round matchup. I agree. And you might be able to say the same thing about like Toronto, who I don't necessarily believe in. But yes, I 
Cleveland needs to just hope they get Chicago in the first round. Uh, that to them, that has to be like, please. Like, I think that's their only chance. You know, I, I think uh, Chicago would love that matchup, though. Yeah, like if you're the Bulls, that's well, yeah. You would much rather play Cleveland than uh, Boston or Philly. Yes, 100%. I think both teams want that matchup. <laughs> I think they both think it's the softest matchup they can they can hope for. So I kind of hope we get it. But yeah, I mean, without Jared Allen, it's it's tough. I mean, they have a ton of front court players, but it's it's just a lot more marketing and Kevin Love and Dean Wade, which is not uh not great. Uh like they have the bodies to make up for Jared Allen just in terms of like competent NBA minutes. Yeah. But it's a very different team construction since like the whole idea of the Cavs this whole season, what's made them great is like you just can't score at the rim on this team. Like they're just too long, close to the basket. We can send Evan Mobley out into the perimeter once in a while and just completely disrupt your offense. And now they can't really do that because obviously they're going to want Mobley at the rim because you can't have like Markkinen or Dean Wade at the rim. So I think they, they're kind of, they have a little bit of an identity crisis without uh, Jared Allen. I think they're what people panicking about the Bulls think the Bulls are. Yeah, probably. All right, last one I have here. Where, where does this tank job by the Blazers rank all time? Oh, because, man. man, I mean, some of the lineups that we have seen Portland throwing out over these last couple of games. I mean, we are to the point where, like, I, I was sitting watching that game against Utah last night. Um, I, actually, I actually fired up some uh, Tiger Woods PGA 2013 kind of got the golf itch so i was playing that on one tv watching this game on the other this game was decided like midway through the first quarter it was completely over portland at one point i thought might not even get to 35 points at halftime but as always happens in the nba like when it looks like a team might lose like 150 to 50 they they always make it like semi-respectable and at least get to 80 points The, the final on this one was 123 to 85 but these are now the last six losses for portland which have all come in a row 132 to 95, 124 to 92, 120 to 90, 135 to 121, 124 to 81, 123 to 85. And watching that game last night, like Josh Hart for virtually the entire game, he was far and away the most accomplished player who touched the court for the Blazers. Like there there was a just insanely huge gap from Josh Hart to the second most talented or most accomplished player. Second most accomplished player on this team that saw the court last night is without question, Ben McLemore. Without uh, question. Yes. And I mean, I said on the podcast on Tuesday, I don't know how this team gets to 90 points and they didn't, they didn't get to 90 points that uh, yesterday. They got to 80 points. Uh, it's just, I don't know, man. I, this is this, like you said, is when your second most accomplished player that is regularly seeing the court is Ben McLemore. You're you've reached some other level of tanking that's never, never been seen before. Drew Eubanks, easily the third most accomplished player <laughs> who played in that game last night. Yeah, I think it's so. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Even, like the th- he, I don't even know if the Thunder have ever stooped this low. And he's on a 10 day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, this is something. And, and again, like Portland doesn't even have a chance to sink all the way to the bottom. That's what's so bizarre about this is like, you, you don't need to be like making up injuries for Eric Bledsoe. Like they're still ahead of the Spurs on the season. They're still ahead of the Kings, like teams that are, that were trying to win for a lot of this year. Like they have really no shot of getting all the way down into OKC, Houston, Detroit, Orlando territory. That's kind of crazy to think about. Um, I guess they're going to try. I mean, there, there is a cutoff point where it's like, I think it's at the top. The worst four teams have the same odds at the number one pick. So I think, I think if their goal is to just at least be the fourth worst team, then that's worth going for. But um, I don't know, man. I mean, they probably just figure like, what's even the point of, we may as well not try because there is no point of trying. And we'll at least get a look at some of these guys and build up, uh, build up cred for agents yeah. or whatever. Like, Hey, you know, remember when we gave CJ Ellaby 40 minutes a game? Like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that, that is a good point. And, I guess the fact that they they did not come into this year knowing that they were going to tank is what's different than teams like Houston and OKC, where you're at least you're watching guys like CJ Ellaby and Kelgen Blevins, but you're also watching Jalen Green and you're watching you know Josh Giddy and you know guys are developing along with these other terrible players. Like 
they don't even have like this year's first round pick who's out there, you know, get, you know, just getting some reps. Like that, that's, I think the biggest difference is a team that shifts into tanking mid season. You know, it's, it's just a straight up G league team. Like you're not even developing your own young guys, really. Like none of these guys, if, if one of them turns into a nice rotation player, that's great. Like, I don't think they're, I don't think they're rolling the ball out there and saying like, Hey, we need to get Brandon Williams some more reps. Like this, this is going to be our future. Yeah. I mean, it really all is about Simons and he's missed the past two games. I mean, Simons has been really good. I like, I don't think we should. He's been good. Yeah. We shouldn't, uh, you know, I, I think trying to see what he can do has been is like the right thing to do. I can't say that they're not doing the right thing by just being like, all right, let's feature Anthony Simons and see what, see what's possible for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when he's out again, like it's Josh Hart and he had a, he had a bad game. Um, yeah. All right, man. We can hop out of here. We covered a lot of ground today. This is a fun one. Uh, very much looking forward to Net Sixers. Uh, somewhat looking forward to Warriors Nuggets in the late window. Um, but I, I, I don't know what to expect from Denver in this one. They got a bunch of guys questionable. Like I said before, fourth game in five nights, kind of a an unprecedented schedule stretch in the 2022 NBA. But should be fun nonetheless. And as always, you'll be back tomorrow with Ken and Shannon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.